You know, I don't know how exactly to describe what we saw this evening, but that's what I'm going to do on this here podcast for the next about, eh, let's say, hour, as the Phoenix Suns win by 12 over the New Orleans Pelicans, a team that entered 1-6 and six. somehow, some way. When you look at that final box score, you'll be like, Matthew, the Suns smoked them. This is a bad team, the Pelicans. The Suns clearly came out and stomped the Pelicans, winning by 12. But I think both you and I know that wasn't the case tonight, was it? No, I mean, just uh, really even go back before the season, I was kind of excited about this matchup. You got Zion, you got Ingram, you got Aiton, but they're out. They're not playing, of course. Um, you know, whatever we can do to stop Zion is what we're always worried about with this team. But now with him out, and especially Ingram, one of my favorite players in the NBA, it becomes a little bit more difficult. A lot of this happens a lot where the stars will be out and you think it's going to be an easy win. And it's just, it's more difficult than you think, especially with the Suns team still trying to find themselves offensively, even the second unit. So, I mean, I kind of expected it, but like uh, Coach Evan B says, Suns Turner was about to implode, and he's correct. <laughs> it was. But uh, I think Absolutely. we're all safe now, man. Absolutely. And as Floppy Socks 44 says in the chat, ugly ass win. But you know what? You'll yep. take it because we've had some losses that, you know, frankly, we could have won. And Harrison Barnes is hitting fall away threes out of bounds to win the game like they did in Sacramento. So, you know, it just goes to show you that the long regular season has its twists and turns. And when you have a team like the New Orleans Pelicans tonight, as you mentioned, Matthew, without Zion Williamson, without Brandon Ingram, they're going to come out with a specified type of energy that the Suns, I don't think we're necessarily prepared for, but seen as they were shorthanded, seen as this game is played for four quarters. Ultimately, their gas ran out in that fourth quarter, scoring a total of 18 points to the th- to the Suns, 36. So the Suns doubled them up in the fourth and ultimately come home or stay home with a win, now moving to 3-3 three and three on the season. Welcome, everybody, to the Suns Jam Session Podcast. My name's John, and I'm happy as ever to be back. Uh, I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew, and I want to give a a very proud kudos to both you and Suns Geek. You guys had a fantastic show on Halloween evening or Halloween Eve. Yeah, the 30th this Eve, past Saturday. Right? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. it, it was great. I actually listened to the podcast on my delay while I was delayed at the airport the next morning. <laughs> uh, but yeah, great show. Great show. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. Shout out to Suns Geek. He did a tremendous job filling in. Um, he's always a go to usually the first one to really send out the invite. So we'll have him on again, I'm sure. So thanks, John, for listening and giving uh, giving me the uh, thumbs up. Hey, Appreciate man, it. you were doing good on the drops and everything, man. I was proud of you to hold it. I don't know. I up. had some stuff lagging on there. I, I think I had eight and watch up the whole time or something. Yeah, no, you, you <laughs> yeah. hit it pretty early. No, it was really good. So, All right. uh, you know, I appreciate that. And I appreciate anybody who, one, watched and or listened to that show and who is watching and or listening to this show. If you're just joining us post-game, right after the game on YouTube, go ahead, hit that thumbs up button, smash it as our buddy Suns Geek likes to say. Mm -hmm. And while you're here, you can subscribe. You can hit the little bell notification that will alert you anytime that we do go live, which is always right after Suns games. If you're listening to this podcast, wherever you are doing that, please subscribe as well. And if there is a notification button, like there is on Spotify, hit that as well, because it'll let you know when a new episode has dropped, uh, typically right after the game. After we're done recording this, I go ahead, I upload it, and then I go to sweep. So... Uh, on that note, we want to thank everybody again. Uh, you can follow the show at Suns Jam. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew at Matthew Lissy. And don't forget that if you go to shopjustsports.com and you put in Suns Jam, you get 15% off any of your orders. And I'll tell you what, it's that time of year. Christmas is just around the corner. We're in November now, Matthew. It is. We are officially jerseys. Yes, exactly. Buy those jerseys. Buy Matthew and Cam Johnson jersey. My wife already put the Christmas tree up at home, so tis the season. Yeah, it looks to be jolly. Fala la 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 la. Matthew, you're gonna have to pop the beer for us because I'm like I've turned into Matthew. I'm drinking water. I've a yeah, six we, we, a.m. We, flight we, tomorrow, we float, man. I mean, it's hard to drink on the road, right? It, messes it is. I have I'll a six a.m. flight to Colorado Springs in the morning, so I'm not right, gonna be we go. drinking. So pop it. There you go. Let's talk about this victory, sons, jamsters.
three and three on the season for your Phoenix Suns after a victory at home against the New Orleans Pelicans on Tuesday night. Matthew, I got to ask. Oh, Matthew, I got to ask right off the bat, you know, knowing that this was a struggle of a game for three quarters, the Suns were turning the ball over at a ridiculous rate and the New Orleans Pelicans were getting out and running any chance they could. I'll ask you this, Matthew, was it just me or did the Suns look old for through the first three quarters or did the New Orleans Pelicans simply just look young? No, I'm. I said the same exact thing. I actually, wrote in my notes. The Suns look old. At first, I think about the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm like, am I allowed to say that because that's our thing to call the Lakers, right? Old. Yes. So I don't want to be in that category. I know we got Chris Paul. I know we got McGee out there tonight. Jay Crowder trying to run the pick and roll. It all worked out in the end. But in the first three quarters, it was a mess. It was brutal to watch. And I was thinking the same exact thing. The way they were trying to run the offense and. They're, they're creaking bones, it seemed like, to try to get to the rim and just throw it up off the glass and see if it went in or not. It seemed like they looked old. And I, I love that you brought that up, man. So give me your reason why they looked old. Is it just because they looked old? Well, I, I think it was a combination of a couple things. You know, we mentioned at the top of the podcast that when you have a team that is down a couple of players, especially all-star caliber players in Brandon Ingram, and Zion Williamson, a former number one overall pick, who is the embodiment of this franchise, and the rest of the team is young. You know, you you look at it, uh, Kyra Lewis or Kira Lewis, however you say his name, but Kyra Lewis, uh, somebody who is unbelievably fast. Uh, Devontae Graham, somebody who's always been a thorn in the side of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, who's that one kid? Uh, Herbert Jones. I mean, this kid was just running and causing problems for, you know, he's a rookie. He's causing problems for Devin Booker on defense, stopping uh, any any chance that the Suns had to try to run pick and rolls and things of that nature. He was getting a hand in there, knocking the ball around, and it was leading to fast breaks. So, you know, you look at through the first three quarters, and the Suns had 19 turnovers, which led to 27 points for the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah. And I don't think it's necessarily that the Suns looked old. I think it's that this team, the New Orleans Pelicans, came out. They were hungry. They were trying to prove something. Again, they're one and six. You have Willie Green coming back to Phoenix. It's his first game back in the arena that he last coached in in you know, the NBA Finals. And he probably had them motivated. And unfortunately, the gas ran out for them. Fortunately for the Suns, they, you know, the Phoenix locked in in that fourth quarter. You know, but one thing that I noticed, and tell me if you noticed this as well, is Phoenix has been very lazy on setting screens. You know, I was noticing that when screens were being set by the Pelicans, they would hold their ground. It seems like the Suns are trying to set a screen and slip that screen before the the screen has even occurred, and it doesn't help them on offense because either the slip screen happens too quick and two defenders follow the guy, or they're telegraphing what they're doing and it's allowing the opposition to be in a good place. So when they, you know, when they cut through and tip, they they have the capacity to tip the ball around and create those turnovers. Did you notice that, or am I just tired? No, two things right off the bat we noticed together. Um, they're old. The screens were pretty terrible. And uh, a reason, well, when Kaminsky first came in the game, it was some real minutes for him, right? Of course, you're going to bring him in to back up McGee. And he didn't really know to go, where to go on offense. The screens kind of, I noticed it there to where Jay Crowder and him are setting the same kind of, same screen at the same, at the same point of the offense. And you have Jay Crowder kind of pushing him to the back, like, hey, you're not supposed to be here. So it kind of looked like it started there. And then every other screen was bad. But then you also, you're trying to do the pick and roll with these guys, with Jay Crowder, with McGee, um, with Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson trying to run the pick and roll. So it, it's, I don't know if it's lazy. I just think it's very hesitant and not knowing what the hell to do out there. That's what it looked like to me. And if they never came back, if Frank Kaminsky never came in and give the Suns the energy boost they needed though. in the second half, we'd be talking about that because they were lackadaisical, of course. They were in a way, I just think, not knowing what to do on the offensive end when it came to setting the screens and what to expect from Chris Paul coming up. Uh, even um, freaking Peyton, Alfred, pa- Alfred Peyton running the offense with the second team. It, it just seemed like they were having such an issue where, where they want to start the offense, where they want to finish it. Like who's going to get the ball. Are there any lanes? Is anybody even open? But then they fixed it in the fourth. It was just a complete mess, man, in the first three quarters. Well, and again, I don't know if they fixed it or if the Pelicans ran out of gas 
And again, that Jones kid, Herbert Jones, he got elbowed in his face by his own teammate, Jonas Valachunas, and he was out of the game and he was a disruptor early on, you know, but uh, co-JJM in the chat dropped $19.99 via the Super Chat. So we thank you. Anybody who is watching along live on YouTube, you can do that or you can join the elite jamsters by clicking that join button or following the link in the description. But he says, once again, what is so bad about Frank Kaminsky? You know, every, and, and I, you know, I think God code, I think I was watching along on the, so the solar panel podcast with Dave and Zona. And I think you were kind of bringing up that point in that chat. And it's a, it's a valid point. You know, answer me this, Matthew, why does everybody dog Frank Kaminsky? What's so bad about the guy? The only thing I can think of is, is it the personality in a way? I mean, on the court, of course, sometimes it can look kind of weird and just uncoordinated. I mean, that's a lot of like what McGee can bring it to. But is it the personality that Frank is just like the funny guy? This is what we see, right? The funny guy and, you know, probably a guy you just want to hang out with. And he's he's a ball player, right? But do you believe in him to an extent to where he can come in and make a difference? And it seems like every time he has, even in the finals, he came in and he played a role where maybe defenses don't expect it. Maybe they just, you know, you don't game plan for a guy like Frank Kaminsky to the T. You just, you want him to shoot the ball. You want him to do things on the court. You want to try to have him make plays for the Suns and try to get them in a groove and have him focus on that and then try to cover everybody else, you know, worry about everybody else on the court. I think that has a lot to do with it. Uh, maybe the personality and just not the game plan that you, you think defenses are going to like prepare for against him. So it could be those two. But I love Frank on the court, of course. But then we go through this. What were they under? What were they undefeated for? Like eleven straight games. Yes. With Frank Kaminsky in the lineup after after an eight and eight start last year. Where exactly. They couldn't find out who their identity was, and then they go away from it too. So it's it's just a weird situation where there just seems like they're not comfortable. Just saying, you know what, we got to play this guy more minutes. And I can't. What do you think it is? Because I can't really put my finger on it. I gave you two examples, maybe, but. They're just lazy because I don't understand it, just like everybody else. Well, you know, I think that it's Frank essentially is an easy target when he comes into the game and a second team uh, or even a first team defender who is much more athletic uses him as a turnstile because that is definitely what can happen to Frank. You can see him play against some of the more athletic centers in the league and he defensively doesn't look very good you know you're going up against Jonas Valachunas tonight who is somebody who absolutely owns the Suns by the way I don't know I was looking up his stats uh, on basketball reference and in his career against the Suns he averages 15.7 points 9.4 rebounds and has 123 offensive rating against Phoenix from a, a points per game standpoint there's only two teams in the NBA he plays better against so he kind of owns Phoenix, but if you look at the way that he plays, he's a slow-mo center. And Frank Kaminsky can play at that speed, so he really looked good tonight. And I think that that is why, you know, co-JJM, I think that's one of the reasons why Frank Kaminsky will get a little bit of flack, whether it be on Sun's Twitter or, you know, on the different social media sites or different, you know, blogging sites and things of that nature. When you start to talk about Frank Kaminsky over a long enough period of time, he doesn't necessarily looked good on defense because of the young athletic guys playing against him. Like if, I mean, just think back last year, remember when we played the Pelicans and Zion went against Frank Kaminsky, it was a shit show. I mean, he put him in a washing machine, had him spinning around so fast. He didn't know where he was going. You couple that with the fact that Frank Kaminsky typically doesn't have a graceful uh, basketball skill set is the nicest way to say it. You know, he's got a very slow-mo lumbering spin move in the paint that he'll end up with his left hand. It doesn't always go in. But you know what? All of that aside, the reason you have this roster built the way you do is because on any given night, these guys have the experience and the capacity to perform on the level that Frank did tonight. You know, looking at his stats in the first half, uh, he had seven points, you know, was, was playing pretty decent. He was kind of with thrust in there because JaVale McGee didn't necessarily look uh, as on point, but you know, he played nine minutes in that first half and I'm sorry, he actually had or, or second quarter. He had five points, but he ends with what? 17 points, uh, three assists, three rebounds. But of those points, like how many of those were and ones, both him and JaVale, man, know. you know, but, but JaVale McGee also, you know, he scores 18 points, 
Okay. And his total rebounds ended up being what, what five. So you combine the JaVale McGee and the Frank Kaminsky output tonight, and that's 35 points and eight rebounds. And, you know, I don't know how many assists I can't read five assists. I mean, that's, that's a pretty damn good output from your center when Deandre Ayton's not in the game. Yeah. You see the competition between him and McGee and you don't, I didn't really realize it till of course uh, my uh, stepdad, Eddie Johnson said it, if I realized, you know, Kaminsky came in he made a difference offensively, defensively. He did big V was not an issue. He, he, he stood his ground against them defensively and just made him work. But the way that Frank came in and he replaced McGee in the starting lineup coming into the, the second half, it was probably something where McGee was seeing like, you know what, I could do better. And they did. The, the and ones were crazy because usually those never go in. First of all, they just never go in and there's never a call. For, for Frank Kaminsky and a lot of Suns players, it seems like even last year. And just really quick, I got to give a shout out to the refereeing this year is like really, really good. If anybody wants to like tell me like any different, that's fine. But from every game I've watched this year, the refereeing, they're letting these guys play and then everything makes sense that it's called now. So the Suns seem to be benefiting from that to where we don't, you you notice that, right? We're not talking about the refereeing. We're not coming into these podcasts like, oh, the Pelicans shot 30. Oh, he probably froze. The Pelicans shot 30 free throws and the Suns only shot 18 you never talk about that anymore man so a quick shout out to the refs honestly this is something that is just totally different because we are so used to bashing them so much and where the Suns actually shot 17 of 18 so another thing they had to worry about this year is the free throw percentage for the Suns was so low that we mentioned it many many times what we didn't mention were the bad calls there's no bad calls. So right now the Suns shot 17 of 18. Was that the reason they won? Maybe. It might have been. And if you go over to the New Orleans Pelicans, 15 of 16. So dead even. I'm not really used to this. I know the Pelicans didn't have their guys in Ingram and Zion and getting to the line. It didn't matter, man. The Suns actually stepped up. They got to the line when it mattered. Frank Kaminsky led the charge. And Cam Johnson, that and one. Hear me. Cam Johnson... And also, McGee, those back-to-back three-point plays got the Suns back into the game. So, John, where are you at, baby? I need you, baby. So, anyways, let's move on to the next thing. Uh, All right. So, Pelicans, actually, when they came out today, I was thinking, man, this might be an easy game, but it really wasn't. And then when they came out, it was four to six. I was like, oh, my God, like, is this going to be like a blowout win for the for the Pelicans? Because you have Hart coming in, you have Graham coming in and hitting and knocking down every kind of shot that is possible. And I'm like, this is going to suck, man. And especially with Aiden missing the back the the third game where I was really looking forward to him playing well because he has back to back games that are good. But I wanted like, hey, let's see how the third game is. It sucked because he wasn't there. <laughs> like I was actually very disheartened by that. But so when the Pels came out and they're down people. I was like, this is going to be a blow, but obviously it wasn't. And the Suns actually stuck with it in the third. Let's take some questions, actually, Jamsters. Yeah, John disappeared. He's gone. He's traveling, so he's not going to have any good connection. And right now, thank you for sticking with me. So, anyways, let's go talk about Peyton. So, Jamsters, really, in the comments, let me know what you think about Peyton. Because in the first half, I think we got to owe it to Dave King. Dave King actually put out a tweet saying, I think we've seen too much Alfred Payton out there, but I think he actually kind of picked it up later in the game. Him running the pick and roll actually looked pretty good. And him finding Mikael Bridges on the cuts, it was pretty awesome because Mikael Bridges is now, of course, always finding a way to get open, cutting to the lane, cutting to the basket, doing everything he can to really try to get his point guard to notice him. And he did that. Peyton had a few good plays to him. It was off ball, taking it up half court. Mikhail makes the cut, passes there. Passes there, and it's ready to go. Mikhail is a great finisher now. So anything that is easy thrown to him is, you know, it's going to be money now. There was one play, though, in the paint. Oh, he's back. There was one play, though, in the paint where he obviously dropped the ball, and it was a turnover. But Peyton is setting. I was talking about Alfred Peyton. You back, mm-hmm. John? Yes, yeah, I was I'm just back. talking about. 
Well, I was talking about how Day King set out that <laughs> the tweet of Alfred Payton, you know, too many minutes. And I thought Alfred Payton did a good job in the second half where he actually got Mikhail Bridges involved more. He was trying to find him. I know he missed him. I just brought that up underneath mm-hmm. the basket. But I don't know if, what you think about Alfred Payton, what what he is really bringing to the Suns. I know we love Cameron Payne, but Payton did. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Well tonight, man. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you. You say he did or didn't? He did. I liked his game tonight later yeah, in the second see, half. I, I, I really didn't. And, okay. you know, I, I didn't. I am starting to notice kind of that sect on Suns Twitter that is very, you know, not a fan of Alfred Payton every time he enters the game. Yeah. And it's starting to echo what the New York Knicks fans were saying last season when he played for them. And, you know, it's good to be back. Uh, internet connection in a hotel room. Just fantastic. Yeah, love it. Love being on the road. Can't wait to be fucking home. Um, but I'm very disappointed with Alfred Payton and Landry Shamit. I think both of them are not even coming close to what my expectations of them will be. Now, granted my mm-hmm. expectations coming into this season uh, when it comes to Alfred Payton weren't as high as you. I figured he would be a great three uh, backup, you know, point guard. He'd be our great, you know, the ultimate buffer, if you will, between both of our CPs. And mm-hmm. I was hoping that, you know, in time he would get a little bit of a chance to play. And when he does get that chance, he does play effectively. And, you know, you look at, kind of how he's played so far this season. And although he does have a physicality to him and he does attack the paint, which you appreciate that that's his entire game. I can tell you what Alfred Payton is going to do on every single play. I can tell you he's going to start with the ball on the, you know, from behind three, he's going to drive to the middle. And then once he starts to get to the middle, he's going to spin and either he's going to lay it up or he's going to have kind of a shitty pass. That's kind of his game. Mm -hmm. And Landry Shamit is in the same realm of mediocrity if you will. I mean, he played a total of 12 minutes and I had zero points. Okay. Oh, for two from three. That's, that's his stat line. You know, a couple rebounds, uh, had a turnover cause everybody tonight had a turnover and ended up with a plus eight on the plus minus. Cause he's playing no longer, uh, you know, the all-star Frank Kaminsky tonight. So yeah, I definitely don't think that this is a trend that's going to continue the entire season, but I really think that, it was Jay uh, Pizzle says in the chat, we need campaign back now. And Dave King was at the game today. He tweeted out that campaign was on uh, the floor before the game. He was doing some workouts and things of that nature. And it looks like he's close to being back to being ready with the hamstring injury. And it'll be really nice because I think that campaign unlocks that second team a lot better than Alfred Payton does. And that's just fact. We, I mean, statistically, you just see it. You know, again, Frank Kaminsky carries that second team. Uh, tonight, but you look at the rest of the second team outside of Frank Kaminsky, the second team scored a total of 10 points and that's six from Cameron Johnson and four from Alfred Payton. So although Payton has been serviceable and I guess what they're two and one with him, two and two with him in there uh, without campaign. uh, I agree. I want campaign back as soon as possible. Yeah. But I mean, for what Alfred Payton's brought in here to do, I just think he fills the role. I don't think it's it's anything crazy where when he's turn if he turns the ball over, it throws a bad pass. I just don't notice that as much. I think I see solid play. I, I see where it can be frustrating at times, but he's just not you know, a consistent player. He I think he Precisely. does enough though, and he might need some time to come in and get in a groove or something. And I think you can't really say one guy's having such a shitty season because I think a lot of them really are oh, right no, now. No, they really are. You know, you're yeah, you're, you're and exactly Shannon, right. And Sham is, yeah, his He's confidence a shitty is struck. Season. He he needs a confidence boost. And I think uh, Chris Paul tried to get him involved more early with a couple shots and just wasn't, it's not falling for him. So I don't know if it's a contract or what, trying to back that up, but he needs he needs a confidence boost for, for sure. And with Alfred Payton, like if he needs a little bit of time to get into the groove, I don't want to give it to him. You know, like Alfred Payton, we don't need him to get into a groove because if that's the case, then this team mm-hmm. isn't going to be good. I feel I've Cameron Payne's a more talented, more explosive. Yeah. And less like predict- He's just a less predictable player. It's like I said, mm-hmm. my problem with Alfred Payton early on is I I'm not necessarily part of that son's Twitter sect. That's like, Oh shit, Alfred Payton. But I can see why people are becoming frustrated yeah. with his play thus far this season. Cause again, it's predictable. It's not exciting. It's not resulting in the team being uh, very aggressive or being or executing an offense uh, spectacularly. And, you know, he is brought in here for his defensive capacity as well. And there's not great defense tonight. Again, you know, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the Suns, for the most part, for the first three quarter looked kind of slow and old. And when you have Kyra Lewis 
driving past all for Peyton on the second team. Like, yeah, I mean, that kind of fortifies exactly that narrative. Mm-hmm. No, I agree, man. I'm always a big campaign fan. I'm not saying Alfred Payton over Cam at all. I'm just saying I, I like what Alfred brings when he can. No, I, I, and I know that. And I think a lot of us do. But at the same time, it's like I think we are just we're pining for a little bit of pain, if you will. We want to bring him back. So yeah. uh, I did want to talk a little bit about about JaVale McGee, who did mm-hmm. get the start tonight. As I mentioned, you know, Frank Kaminsky was balling out there as he had the 17 points. It was JaVale McGee who had 18 points. I was finishing some and ones was looking great. Went seven for 10 from the field. And I got to ask you this, Matthew, like, are you you're not on the TikTok, are you? No, I'm not. <laughs> Why? What's going on there, man? What's going on? What's going on on the TikTok? Mm-hmm. Well, so on TikTok, there is um, a couple guys who they call themselves like the Island Boys, and I don't know if if, if you're yeah from SNL, SNL, yeah, the Island Boys. They, I'm on a boat. Oh no 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 no! I know what you're talking about, but no, it's oh, not that. Okay. Um, so essentially, what it is, it's these two kids down in florida um i think they're twin brothers i'm clearly stalling because i'm trying to pull something up and it's just taking a little what but a little while to load because again the internet in hotels is shit be careful over there (laughs) well it's just like it boots you for no reason all sense like and you're not connected (laughs) to the internet even though you've been connected to the internet your entire stay here but but uh but essentially what it is it's these two kids uh who I don't know. They're the young kids. They, they've got these grills in and they're, you know, they're a couple of kids are just like they're they're trying to make it or whatever. And JaVale McGee is kind of, you know, we've been looking for a segment for him and we're we've been looking for a nickname for him. And he kind of looks like these kids like he's got the tats. He's got the grill. Uh, they got kind of some crazy hair. So, you know, know JaVale, yeah. Do you know the kids I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. They're kind I, of just, I never watched the videos, but I've seen I've seen them all over the place. Yeah, but that's essentially, you know, JaVale McGee. I was kind of thinking, like, maybe he's an island boy. He's just trying to make it. I don't know. Throwing, I'm throwing it out. There. I'm trying to find. Okay, trying, so trying, yeah, trying to find the nickname for him. Oh, okay, okay. So I just, I don't. Is that kind of disrespectful, little McGee? A little no, bit, or no? Kind of after he scores 18 yeah. points. When I know, when... I know. Like we got to be so careful with this with McGee. You know what I mean? Like we have to find something funny, but not disrespectful in a way. Well, well th- th- this is this is the clip. Cause I'm an island boy, and I've been trying to make. Oh, I'm an island boy. I, I'm a just island boy. I'm a just island boy. I'm a get keyword going. You're gonna keep that gun. I'll be just staring at the sun. I'm just out full gazing. I'm like, pull where I'm staying. <laughs> the internet's yeah, undefeated. I can't I had to watch that. <laughs> Yeah, I, that's what I thought it was, and that's why I never watched it. There you go. So now I finally watched it. Thanks. There you go. Hey, you know, <laughs> come for the sun's highlights. No, Leave with the island, boys. Sorry, man. So, <laughs> just just throwing it out there. You know, he's got okay. kind of a look to him. He's just trying to make it. And, you know, he, yeah. he played fantastic tonight. And he was on yeah. the the end of a lot of CP3 passes. And, you know, kudos to CP3. He has now moved into third place all time on the assists. Uh, sandwiched between Jason Kidd and Steve Nash. So three mm-hmm. sons are on the top, are in the top four all time when it comes to assists in a career. And, you know, he had a fantastic night. You can tell he had that on his mind, if you will. You know, 18 total assists for yeah. Chris Paul. He's already, you know, tops in the league in assists, and he drops 18 assists tonight, Matthew. Tell me about what you saw from the point guard. Well, he was basically in the beginning, you can tell he was trying to figure things out offensively and deal with what he had on the court tonight. I mean, it's no DeAndre Aiden, of course, but it seems like it's not too much of a big deal offensively. Defensively, of course, you want Aiden there. But it just seemed like whoever was on the court, it just wasn't enough. I know the names are out there. I know Booker. I know Jay Crowder. Just Mikhail Bridges. It just didn't seem like anybody was really stepping up. And I think what Chris Paul was trying to do is just trying to find a way to get these guys more involved, open shots. He started dissecting the middle. Uh, everything in the paint was there, obviously, with all the end ones, with all the dunks, the uh, continuation calls. Shout out to the refs again. Our continuation calls back because that dunk by McGee, that should not have <laughs> not, not been called. Been. And I think it might be back because I've seen that a few times. So uh, hopefully that stays. Um, but what Chris Paul did tonight is basically what he should do, right? Is just kind of find these guys. And if you're going to make your shots, then 
fine. But if you don't, that sucks. And of course, we're probably going to lose the game, but he's going to give them a chance. And Chris Paul's not going to have those games every night where he's going to be shooting lights out, making every shot from mid range. And this is the Chris Paul I love to see. I think this Me was too. a really, really good effort by him of just really focusing on his guys. I think he needs to do this more. Because, I mean, not 18 assists, but just to get these guys going this year. He, he needs to get the focus on them. I know he can do the mid-range whatever he wants, but I'd like to put that in the back seat and have a lot of these assists, high assist games again and coming back for Chris Paul. No, I love it when he gets his the team involved. And, the, like, this is why Chris Paul was successful last year. He gets his team involved. He focuses on getting them the shots that are going to allow them to be successful. And then in the fourth quarter, when the team needs him, he goes into point guard mode. He ends mm. the night with a total of 14 points. He went six for eight shooting. And if you look at, you know, through the first three quarters, minus everything, if you start to do the math on it, you know, he and what, what did he have in that fourth quarter? How many points well, was not, it? I'm not sure, dude. I had the I had the number, but I mean, it was what 20, 25 straight points where Chris Paul either assisted on the play or scored the points himself. You know, at the back end of the game before Dem Booker decided to wake up. I mean, mm-hmm. he carried this team when they needed to all game long, and the team rewarded him too. That's the other side of this. It's you don't get eighteen assists. Uh, if the team isn't scoring those points on those fantastic passes, and you know, one thing I will say. Why doesn't CP3 get the ball to Aiton the way he did he does to McGee and Frank Kaminsky tonight? Like he he was doing everything he could to get them the ball, especially in the second half. Like where's this when DA's yeah. on the fucking court, man? You know, you know what it is. Um, last game they figured something out. I talked about it with Seek uh, Geek, Sons of Geek. <laughs> My bad. Um, I, I was talking to him about it. I was like. There's a certain way that D.A. was opening himself up to Chris Paul after those screens. So maybe D.A. found something out. You know, instead of just setting the screen, rolling and raising your hand up. No. He was opening himself up to receive the ball and then make a move. He was in a, um oscillating chair. Okay. And he, Yeah. And he just he made himself available. And you saw that with McGee tonight and everybody else. It was just they gave him room. There was mismatches. They put themselves in position to receive the ball. So that's why I was upset when D.A. got hurt because I feel like they kind of figured something out. And we'll see when he comes back if they continue to do that. But I really wanted to see it again. And, of course, he was out tonight, so we'll have to wait for it. But I think that's what it was. I think there's they're trying to figure things out, and it maybe it's just that. Maybe it's just finding a way to open yourself up for Chris Paul, man. Yeah, and you know, you saw Frank and JaVale both do it. And the way that they open themselves up is after that role, as you said, you know, they kind of put their arms out and they they turn to the towards the key instead of, you know, because what he'll do sometimes is he'll set a screen and as he's rolling, he's kind of rolling away from the the uh the key. He's rolling kind of parallel to the key, if you will. Chris Paul's looking to try to guide you in towards that basket. And DA, sometimes he'll set the screen and run yeah. towards the baseline. And you're right in that last game, because what I did is that, you know, obviously I didn't watch the game. I was at a Halloween party, uh, but I watched the highlights. You know, you can go on YouTube and you can find the game highlights yeah. in any game that's played. And I watched them and you were starting to see that. And then, yeah, of, of, of course, that's when he yeah, Long John Silver says. It. Yeah, I was just going to pull that up. DA rolls yep. into the defense. He does. He, he does. does. And then when the ball is in there, it's deflected. I mean, we yes. noticed that. But then we think if Chris Paul just throws it up to him, he can grab it. You know, DA, mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes someone put in butterfingers too, but DA can get it right. But no, that's not how it works. There's different ways to do it. So maybe they're figuring something out. So And they're they're finding finally out how to get those proper entry passes because that's another thing that's driven me crazy is I think because he does roll into the defense, because he mm-hmm. does do baseline rolls instead of rolls into the key in the past, they're not even looking for him. Chris Paul hasn't looked for him. He'll set the pick and he just goes. And then when he does yeah. get those opportunities and he does do the correct roll, he's not getting the pass because Chris isn't looking for him at that point. He's already working on looking at his secondary tertiary option. So again, that's we'll see as this season progresses. And as Chris Paul's clearly out there, he's like, I'm just going to distribute to everybody. I, I want that assist title. If you will, I think it'll be interesting to see how that relationship between the two uh, continues during you know, this time when we don't know if necessarily when he's going to be back. Cause I don't know when he's going to be back. When you hear that, that word contusion, know. you don't know. It happened to Jokic the other day. I don't think Jokic has been back yet. So, you know, we still have a ways to go until we know we play on Thursday. Perhaps we're going to have an opportunity to see him 
uh, but I'm not 100% sure exactly when we will. The Warden. Man, every game, I'm just in love with Mikael Bridges, dude. Like The fact that we paid this guy four years, $90 million is a steal to me. 22 points to lead all scores for the Phoenix Suns tonight. Nine for 15 from the field, including two for four from downtown. Uh, Only one rebound, only one assist, but you know what? He's turning himself into more of an offensive option this season. And you take this, I think he was averaging 15 points coming into this game. It's probably going to jump up to about 16, 17 points a game. That is right where I want to see uh, Mikhail Bridges, and that's uh, that's what we got again tonight, man. He was the one constant throughout the game, just looking fantastic again. Yeah, give it to him more. I yes. mean, just keep drawing plays up. Make sure that he's getting the the ball in certain areas on the floor. One thing that we are not doing with Mikhail too is yelling at him for sitting in the corner just shooting threes. Of course, he's going to take them when they're open, right? Yes. But him getting to the rim, doing everything else, he's doing it. We're not seeing it. Uh, a repeat of last year where he was just kind of shy or whatever. He's just a different guy now, man. So what's up? <laughs> it gets better than emo girl. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah comment in the chat. Mikhail cuts though. better than an emo girls. Emo I went girl. to high school. Yeah, with. There you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Nikki Tan, one of our loyal listeners, he says, breaking news. Mikhail is now my third favorite son of all time. One Nash, two Marion, three Mikhail. And I've said this on previous pods. Like he is fast moving into that realm he of all time favorite sons because he does, you know, that's why Sean Marion was always my favorite. Sean Marion always did all the little things to help you be successful and win games. It wasn't flashy. He wasn't ball dominant. He was just grabbing the rebounds, playing the defense and scoring the points. And Mikhail does a lot of the same things. And I see, you know, you can't necessarily say, Ooh, he's, he's Marion lights or this or that, but he just, he does things that help you win the little things. And it wasn't little him scoring 22 points. And again, helping this team put up some semblance of an offense when they were discombobulated the entire night. Yeah. Well, the one thing that Mikhail does though, is he, he continues to improve offensively defensively. We, we almost forgot about it, right? Yeah. We've almost forgot about Mikhail and his defense. The one thing we always focused on the past three years is I can't wait for him to defend this guy. It's already there. It's just, I don't even know if does he get tired from the defense he plays. I know he hasn't played against like any kind of opposing player yet, you know, like a superstar really. But there's there's certain nights well, where he did he just, did against LeBron and he killed no, him on both ends of the court. It was fantastic. Though, right? Yeah, yes. I know. But they, they weren't ready to play the Suns that night. <laughs> no. I'm joking. No, but we just don't worry about it. Offensively, he's just ridiculous. And one thing that he reminds me of Marion is when Cam Johnson goes to the rim and he fumbles the ball, he falls over. And then Miguel just—he's so quick to just pick it up and put it right back up. Yes, and against the rim, like so quick. And I know it sounds stupid. It's like oh, Marion, it but it's so fast. And how long he is, and how long you think it would take him to get the ball above the rim? He's quick. He beats everyone there, driving to the rim. He can use the offhand. Even if he uses his right hand going left, he can still get it up off the glass through anybody. So, so many things are still improving. He's not even hit his peak at all, and he's continuing to improve like every freaking game. Man, there's always something to watch. Yeah, him, he, he is one of the my favorite points about watching the Suns this year is just, you know, I mentioned it numerous times that the the Suns with that such a short offseason wouldn't necessarily have a lot of time to display growth coming into this season. Mm-hmm. And between Cam Johnson and Mikhail Bridges, I was wondering if there would be any significant jump in their game or if it would just kind of be a continuation of next season with minimal improvement. And Mikhail's clearly making a jump offensively. He's making uh, an, a cognizant effort to be a part of the offense. And, and, you know, kudos to Booker and Paul. They're trying to involve him as well. And I, I really, really like that. Uh, what I didn't like tonight, was Devin Booker through the first three quarters, man. I mean, it was just, it it was ugly. It was, you know, I, I got to ask myself, like, did he go out on his 25th birthday and after the Suns beat the Trailblazers and just get so lit that it took him, you know, two and a half days to finally get over a hangover because he didn't wake up in this game until the fourth quarter. You know, he was 0 for 5 from the field in the third quarter. Uh, in the second quarter, he went one for five. In the first quarter, he went two for six. You know, so I mean, that's what three for twenty-one to start the game. Now he ends the game with a total of uh, how many points did he get? It's Eighteen points on seven to twenty shooting. So my math is clearly wrong. Um, 
but it, I mean, he had the the great end to the game, which was which was fantastic. But man, it's just he's already having a, a career, and I know it's only five games, and I'm not going to overreact, but I'm still going to question. He has a career low 41.6 percent field goal percentage entering this game, a career low 28.6 percent from deep. You know, it, he's starting to go into that Kobe mode where it's like, in, if we want Devin Booker to get 25 points, he's got to shoot the ball 25 times. Not a fan of that. Not a fan of that. I'm not either. We knew it was going to take some time to get him into rhythm, but there's one thing that's maybe on his mind, and I'm just putting it out there. The all-star thing might be something because I feel like every year he starts out slow, and for him to start out slow, that's always a thing that everyone says if he doesn't make it or if he's like a if he's like the, the guy that they add in from injury. The thing that people always say is like, well, he started out slow. Well, I mean, he was doing this early in the season, and then he picked it up. He had a good month. You know what I mean? So... Those might be things that are entering his head to where he kind of wants to get this to where he's like, I'm a 26 and six and six guy or whatever. That's mm-hmm. what I want to be. I should just automatically be that guy, but it's coming. It's not coming for him, of course, this year already. And it, maybe it's take more, it'll take more time, but I think he just wants it that quickly. I think he wants it a week or two into the season to where he's like, I'm already going to uh, average these. These because you have John Morant. John Morant's gonna probably take a spot. There's there's other point guards, there's other guards out there that are gonna get that spot. And I know this is probably wrong, but I think it has something to do with that. Um, also just the way he is getting into games, it's kind of nasty because you have these other guys like Mikhail Bridges that can really help out, and you gotta get them involved too early mm-hmm. if your team's struggling. And the shot attempts and stuff and keeping your foot on the on the three-point line. <laughs> That is just the most insane thing how this is still a thing with him where his foot is on the line. Like, I don't understand that one. And I'm not trying to get negative. I'm just saying I don't understand that. And I don't know how you fix that. Do you? It's just spatial awareness, you know? I don't understand. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing I've seen because it's every game he does this. Every game. There's two things he does every game. Two things. He hits a two-pointer that is a three-pointer with his foot on the line. And he puts up like a two for one shot from deep and he always misses it. Like he will never make yeah, that a two, two for one, one shot. He never <laughs> He'll makes never make one. that fucking shot, man. He'll I never make an God. open three. He'll, you know, he can't make the open three. And, and kind of to your point, like I don't think he cognitively is entering a game and be like, I need to put up these numbers in effort to be an all star. I think that the opportunities kind of present themselves and he's forcing a lot. And I think, you know, what happens to Devin Booker. You look, you look at the end of the game, okay? When he's not forcing it, and again, I mentioned the Pelicans were definitely tired at the end of this game. They played, uh, you know, kind of a, a short, well, they, they played a total of 10 players, but they're playing without their best players, and one guy got injured, uh, Herbert Jones got injured. So by the fourth quarter, that team was gassed, and all of a sudden, there was separation there. You know, that Jones kid was in Devin Booker's shorts more than Kendall uh, Jenner was this Ooh. evening. You know, so I mean, by the time he, the, the, the fourth quarter came around, he had an opportunity to get some good open looks and he finally started knocking down shots. I mean, on the three in the corner, because he went two for eight from three and really he went like three for nine. But like, again, the one the foot was on the line. But after the foot was on the line thing, he was wide open in the corner and he finally hit one. And that's kind of the stories with the Suns this season. Like it's something I'm going to be looking up tomorrow is seeing how often we miss wide open threes because they miss wide open threes more than any team I've ever seen, man. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, conversely, and I've mentioned this before, the opposition is knocking down wide open threes at an alarming rate, alarming rate. It was 83% a couple days ago. So they need to fix that. Devin Booker needs (laughs) to fix it. He, He just needs to let the game come to him. I'm okay with Devin Booker coming out aggressive in the first quarter. We've seen that, you know, a big part of that Suns run throughout the middle of last season was Devin Booker coming out, putting up 12 points in that first quarter, being efficient book, going five for seven from the field, get a couple free throws in there, get comes out and sets the tone for his team and allow that second team to continue the offensive onslaught while he takes a seat on the bench. And then he scores a little bit in the fourth quarter as needed. But what he's doing this year, I feel like he's forcing it so much the defenses are clearly keyed in on him because he is now an all-star now an olympian uh now a gold medal medal winner you know so they're going to key in on him it's going to be tougher for him so he just needs to kind of he needs to learn how to navigate this and it's only going to come by him shooting so i'm not ultimately against him shooting but the shot selection needs to be a little bit better outside of being wide open from three because uh we can't hit shit out there yeah, I mean, I feel like it's he thinks it's his job to really get 
everyone involved and like put up those tough shots early in the game. But I mean, they'll start to fall and then we'll be like, oh, never mind. Yeah, exactly. So in time, again, we're, we're complaining about things that happen ultimately in a 12-point win. So. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters. This is your reminder that if you're listening to the pod, please subscribe, rate, review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it here on the pod. If you're watching along live, let us know in the comments who your jam star of the game is, as well as hit that thumb up button. Thumbs up button. It's a good time. Right in the middle of the show, click that thumbs up button. It helps with the algorithms, lets all other Suns fans know where to go after every Suns game. That's right here on the Suns Jam Session Podcast. Uh, Matthew, I feel like I always have you go first on the jam star of the game. So I'm going to give it to my jam star of the game. And I think I'm going to get a lot of love in the chat, too, because they're agreeing with me. It's 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 Frank the Tank, man. This was unexpected. Uh, he was playing solid, solid defense on Jonas Valachunas. Again, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, a guy who absolutely toasts the Suns every time we play him. I feel like he has a solid game. Normally, it's against DeAndre Ayton. Normally, he puts him in a mixer, and normally, he comes out the other side looking like cake batter. You insert Frank the Tank tonight, and all of a sudden, now granted, they were letting them play tonight. There was definitely a lot of contact, but that was fun to watch because it was it was consistent on both sides. It's not like the Suns, I feel, necessarily were fouling the Pelicans a bunch, and it wasn't going the other way. I think both teams were being physical, and you saw that. I mean, Free throws were at a premium. Both teams shot a great uh, percentage from the free throw line. Another note there, something I've been complaining about, is how the Suns can't hit a fucking free throw. I think they went 17 for 18 in this game. Yeah, I brought that up when you disappeared. Oh, gotcha. Stretching the free throws. Well, that's a a valid point. But uh, yeah, Frank the Tank, man. That's who I'm giving it to. Yeah, it's obvious. He's the one that really sparked this team in the second half. Um, I don't know if it, it, dare I say, if it wasn't for him, the Suns would have probably lost this game. We got the energy from him. I mean, whether or not Monty yelled him at him in the in the halftime, uh, at halftime, I don't know. That in might have halftime. happened, but I don't know. I can't. Uh, I can't talk to that. I'm still not feeling that good. I don't know what happened, but uh, well, you know, it happens. Right, right. Yeah, Frank the Tank. That's it. Sorry. What about CP3? <laughs> Any love for CP3? Yes, yes. Yes. No, it was tough. It was tough, dude. I don't. Do you see anybody in the there? You go. CP3 Jamster. Yeah, we're getting some. We're getting some. Some, yeah, but it's Frank. It's Frank's game, man. I should have yeah. won the tank top tonight. <laughs> he definitely should have. I should have done that. This, <laughs> this was your opportunity to do so. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. All right, bet on it. This is where we go on Twitter, and we reach out to you, the Jamsters, to let us know how to spend our money. Today's bet I forgot to do because I honestly forgot what goddamn day it was. I had to be at work so goddamn early. And then I worked for 14 hours working on point of sale systems that my mind is mush right now. The fact (laughs) that I'm still talking is pretty impressive. I got to get up early and go on a flight. Uh, But we didn't do it, but we will do it again on Thursday when we next play against the Rockets. And that Mm -hmm. is what we're going to talk about next. Uh, The upcoming matchup against the Houston Rockets, a team that uh, I have TNT. So I actually watched the broadcast on TNT tonight because I wasn't local uh, I did want to mention it is kind of awkward. The TNT broadcast has Stan Van Gundy on there, and like he's sitting there talking about the team that he got fired from in the offseason. You know, he's like, Yeah, you know, it was just kind of an awkward broadcast. Uh, but we will be playing on NBA TV against the Houston Rockets. Uh, they just lost to the Los Angeles Lakers by a score of 119 to 117. So that just goes to show you this team does have firepower. They do have, again, a bunch of young guys who are, they're definitely going to be fighting on on uh, Thursday. So, Tell me what your thoughts are on the Houston Rockets this season, Matthew. Oh, well, you got to go to the rookie, right, Jalen Green? Honestly, uh, he's a guy that you would think maybe has a chance to win rookie of the year this year. He hasn't showed up too much. Uh, This game, though, look at the box score. It looked like he did show up. Um, (laughs) That's always interesting with this Rockets team because you don't know which direction they're going to go. You don't know if they're going to make a big trade. Christian Wood's name is already being brought up. So This is true. they They have names on there like Christian Wood, but... These guys, they're going to show up. They're going to play hard just for maybe the trade, <laughs> just for maybe the trade to get out of there show up, play hard on a team that, you know, it's going to struggle this year a lot because they are young and we've been there. But honestly, if we get like a Christian Wood or something popping off against the Suns, it's going to be hard to stop because I, I love that guy. And if there's no DeAndre Aiden, there's nothing in the middle. He might have a field day. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you look at what he did against the Lakers tonight. He went for 26 points and 16 rebounds. Yeah, And like you said, no DA in the middle. This guy is going to have a field day. And note that he went three for nine from downtown. So he's somebody who can really stretch the floor in all areas and cause havoc against your defense because he can beat you in a lot of different ways. Uh, Jay Sean Tate had a good game with 20 points. Jalen Green, as you as you mentioned, you know, 24 points for the rookie, five for 10 from deep. You know, looking at this team, they went 16 for 42 from three so they'd like to launch that three ball and guess what the suns have a hard time defending that three ball so That's it's right. definitely something to keep an eye on as we go up against this team they're now going to be one and six entering this uh this game much akin to how the new orleans pelicans entered this game one and six looking to get right looking to uh you know ensure that they can set their season path towards positivity uh and they're going to be you know they're, they're going to be feisty, that's for sure. So I I don't know necessarily what to expect from the Rockets other than they will be feisty. I'm hoping for a win from the Suns. But, you know, again, you look at the first three quarters of this game tonight and you have to worry about the Suns. They played sloppy, unbelievably sloppy. They can't hit wide open shots. They can't set their they, – they can, but they weren't setting, you know, screens that were effective. Uh, I really don't know how this game's going to turn out. Like, I know that we have to put a pick in for our, uh, you know, podcast pick them between us and Fanning the Flames. I mean, do we say this one's a loss? Do we say that the Suns go to three and four, or do they get above five hundred against one of the worst teams in the NBA? I just, you just don't know right now. No, you don't know. It, it'll probably be more of the same. I'm going to say the Suns win this one, but it, after these games, you know, in the first three quarters, you're like, all right, Suns make a move, trade. Jalen Smith, you played him last game. You didn't pay him all this BS. Like you, you know, it's looking like the chemistry didn't carry over. Of course, there's no one's getting paid this year. So that's going to affect the chemistry. And then you're just like, make a move sons, do what you need to do to get the sun, the sun's team on track. And then they come out in the fourth and they blow them out. So I'm expecting the same exact thing. This game. Okay, there you go. Well, we'll lock it in as a win from the sun's jam session podcast. Fanny, the flames. It's your move guys. Uh, you did mention one thing that I did want to bring up before we got out of here today, and that is Jalen Smith yeah. did not receive the rookie extension. Uh, Cameron Johnson did. What were your initial thoughts on that? I was kind of depressed a little bit. Um, Aww, Matthew, it's I, okay. I don't know why. It was just because it, there's something bigger that's going to happen. There's something that's coming that we're not seeing, of course. Otherwise, this just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think the Suns are going to make a trade. That's what I'm saying. Make a move. You play him last game. We get kind of excited about the way he kind of looked, and then he didn't play today, and then he doesn't get he doesn't get paid. Doesn't play today. So you just you worry about these things. And we talked about it all off season. You know what I mean? If if they're not going to get paid, that might help hurt the chemistry. I'm like, no, nah, I'll be fine. They'll be okay. But then now you're kind of seeing it a little bit, and it's probably just a slow start. But now you just start, start overthinking stuff too much, right? And I just I kind of got depressed a little bit, but I'm waiting for the big trade and the big move. I think it makes you don't think the sun. I think the suns, they know I think they know they don't have enough this year to get there. I think they need to make something else work. And I think they notice that. And I think they're just kind of building towards that a little bit. So. So here, here's I'll, I'll go against that narrative, because here's what I think about it. You know, first and foremost, it's it's a money move. Uh, Dave King wrote a great piece on Bright Side of the Sun explaining kind of why it's a money move for the Suns. Uh, this year, Jalen Smith makes more than Cam Johnson, Landry Shamit, Alfred Payton, Frank Kaminsky, and Abdul Nader. Okay, so he is one of your more expensive contracts. So moving into next season, you're going to have to extend him. There's going to be more monies that have to be paid as a part of that extension. So why would you necessarily want to invest in somebody who you haven't truly invested in? Now, that being said, I also think that the Suns know that they can use him as a trade piece come trade deadline. So if they do need to improve with his salary, knowing that they haven't committed to him next year, knowing that you know another team might look at him as an asset for the same reasons. Like, listen, this is a contract that helped us get off of a guy, a.k.a. a Thad Young, if you will. If they want to move, if the Spurs want to move Thad Young, they can take in Jane Smith, have him for you know, a quarter, 33% of the season at, you know, when the trade deadline is and see what they have. If they don't, uh, if they don't want him, they're not locked into anything. So it becomes a very flexible asset and trade piece that the Suns can utilize, you know, and if not, then he's just gone next year or you try to work a deal. So, I mean, 
I think that that it, it frees up money for somebody who's going to be effective. And right now, as much as we want him to, as much as we are pining for him to get more minutes so we truly see what we have, right now he just hasn't been effective enough to be on the floor with the rest of the guys. Now, we know that Abdul Nader doesn't need minutes and that those need to be sticks minutes. And guess what? We still have him under contract this year. It's not like we didn't, you know, by not extending him, all of a sudden he's gone. What we're doing is we're giving ourselves flexibility. And I think that you take a look at what James Jones has done recently between him, between DeAndre Ayton, and he's he's trying to generate long-term flexibility for this team. So I think that, you know, again, short-term greed, yeah, it sucks. I'm, I'm a fan of Jalen Smith. I want to see him do well because we want all of James Jones's decisions to be the correct ones. He was correct on, uh, you know, Mikhail Bridges and – um, DeAndre Eaton, even though he wasn't technically the GM at that time, he was the assistant GM. He was right on Cameron Johnson. We want him to be right there as well. He was right in bringing in Chris Paul and trading Ricky Rubio and Kelly Oubre for them. So, or for him. So I think that, you know, every one of his picks is just another kind of nail in the coffin of the greatness that is, uh, James Jones. And, you know, maybe he got it wrong. And maybe that's, you know, James Jones is kind of like, okay, maybe I got this one wrong and I'm just going to try to, utilize this as a flexible asset moving forward and if not it just won't be an asset yeah but honestly the the thing is i don't think they ever wanted that pick with jalen smith you know what i mean like the suns fans weren't really worried i know they'd probably try to trade back at desmond bain or something yes that guy really correct worked out. i think that was really their initial plan something like that it didn't work out they got jalen smith and i'm not saying like i'm depressed because i want jalen smith long term i want the extension I'm just saying, like, the chemistry and everything, the way they're playing, I wasn't looking forward to watching the Suns too much. I just, it's kind of a weird state to watch them. Of course, I want, I'm going to watch them, but I'm just saying, it's just a weird thing going on right now. And for me, I just want to give up on the team, but they're not going to give up. So uh, let's just keep following <laughs> them, dude. And they're going to make a big move. Up. Uh, you're stupid, man. I know. All right. Well, let's let's go ahead and wrap this thing up on that stupidity. Uh, can you tell us real quick about the picture that is mm. up behind you? Another great piece, it looks yeah. like. Craig Hamill, Craig A. Hamill, at Craig A. Hamill on Twitter. Drew this. It's beautiful. There's actually four different picks, mm-hmm. and I got all four of them, of course, just downloaded and ready to pop up every podcast. So thanks a lot. Fantastic. Craig. Well, thank you, Craig. Uh, he is Scotland's biggest Suns fan and probably one of the best artists that Suns fans have produced. So, you know, if you get a chance, go on Twitter at Craig A. Hamill and you will get a link to his Redbubble page and you can buy some really awesome merchandise that he's produced, not only this season, but going back a few seasons with the uh, uh, the Phoenix Suns. So and and if you have artwork that you want up behind Matthew or a picture or something, I mean, last one was creepy. I was looking over your shoulder the whole time because you had the my Halloween photo up behind yeah, you. It was uh, but all you got to do is hit us up on Twitter at Suns Jam. So uh, on that note, Jamsters, we're going to see you live after the Rockets game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I'll actually be covering that one for Bright Side of the Sun, Matthew. So I'll okay. definitely have some some notes and something. I hope it's a good one, man. I really hope it's a good one. I hope it's one. just a blowout. I hope I'm it excited, is, man. though. It'd be, it'd be a fun game. All these games are kind of fun right now because you just don't know what to expect. So, Well, yeah, because we're kind of in that early part of the season where you're starting to see narratives, and now you're just trying to see if you see consistency to those narratives. It, or if it's a one-off or it's becoming a trend. Like three-point defense is definitely becoming a trend early on. You know, yeah. th- free throw shooting, I feel like that's going to correct itself because this is a team that has the capacity to do so. So we'll see. Uh, but again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you ever so much for joining us. If you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, and we'll read it right here on the podcast. If you're on Spotify, hit that little notification button. It'll let you know every time that a new one of our episodes is published. If you're watching along live on YouTube, Hit that thumbs up button. Let everybody know where the best post game pod on Planet Orange is. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. And you can follow Matthew on Twitter at Matthew Lissy. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you know what I need to do? Terrible. Take a lap. I need to take a lap. <laughs> I need to take a nap, is what I need. Uh, so, Matthew, I'm done. I'll see you on Thursday, brother. All right. Everyone go home. Love your family. Amen. Take care, Suns fan.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.